setting fire to the stoner stereotype, sparking up candid conversations with cannabis researchers, entrepreneurs, and advocates. Educator, author, and advocate Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Please welcome the host of Burning Issues, Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Hey, Dr. Mitch Earlywine here. Thanks for joining us again on Burning Issues. As many of you know, I love all things in the cannabis world. I wrote the book Understanding Marijuana, I edited the book Pot Politics, and I also penned the High Times column Ask Dr. Mitch. I do my part for the movement whenever I can. I'm a member of the advisory board for the National Organization of the Reform of Marijuana Laws, and I'm always happy on good old cannabis radio. Today, I'm completely delighted to hear about what's up in Southern California from South LA's own Virgil Grant. He's the head of the Southern California Coalition, a guy who's really been through it all in the cannabis world. You think you're brave. He opened the first dispensary in South L.A., so he's got plenty of tales to tell. Virgil Grant, welcome to Burning Issues. Thank you for having me. So I'd be delighted to hear about what's most pressing there in L.A. and Southern California for the cannabis world, if you'd be willing to tell us. Yes. Uh, right now, uh, we're working on Proposition M. Uh, that is a ordinance uh, for the March 7th ballot. Uh, and it is uh, to bring smart and sensible regulations, a licensing uh, mechanism, something that the cannabis industry in Los Angeles has have hasn't had in over uh, a day, uh, two decades. So, you know, we're working on that right now. Uh, March 7th, uh, Prop M will bring in licensing for all facets of the industry. We're talking cultivation, manufacturing, distribution, transportation, and uh, most of all, what everybody sees is the collective model, the dispensary. It sounded like there was a lot of motivation behind this just for increasing safety. Is that a fair way to pitch it? Absolutely. Um, what we were having was a proliferation of shops. What we call rogue shops is just opening up in communities, not paying their taxes, not operating uh, with integrity and safety for the community. And so what Prop M does, and that was under Prop D, which was poorly written, uh, and it had no clear pathway to enforcement. So law enforcement had n nothing with teeth in it to enforce. Uh, what Prop M does is it allows a clear uh, pathway to enforcement because it uh, presents a licensing mechanism. So basically, in theory, Los Angeles collectives, cultivation, and manufacturers have never had a license in 20 years. Uh, all they had is limited immunity ban, which clearly didn't work. So this Prop M, yes, allows uh, enforcement to enforce. It would clean up all of the rogue shops, um, allow the owners and operators that are licensed, and nine times out of ten, those will be your good operators, uh, to be able to uh, operate in the city of Los Angeles, which would definitely make Los Angeles safer. I'm delighted by the whole idea. Virgil, some of our listeners aren't even in California. Can you give us a feel for what it would be like to go into a regulated, good dispensary uh, the way you'd envision it if Prop M passed? Well, 
it probably in past and uh, it, 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 you would go into one, first of all, uh, you would feel very uh, secure and safe. Uh, you would most likely enter in through the uh, front lobby room and uh, which will be definitely a comfortable and cozy environment. Uh, you would be greeted by a receptionist. They would, you would then go in, fill out uh, a series of paperwork to become a member of that collective. Uh, once that is done and your everything is verified and you're okay, then you will enter into the next room, which is called the trade room. The trade room is where all of the cannabis is displayed from your flowers, concentrates, edibles, uh, and so on and so forth. And then you will be greeted by a butt tender who is very educated within the cannabis industry to explain uh, to you what our cannabis products are how they're to be used, uh, if they're edibles, dosage, and everything. So uh, we have very educated staff that uh, can talk to you for medical purposes. Um, you know, you, it, they can uh, give you what you need for whatever ailment that uh, you are trying to address. Uh, since recreational won't be implemented till 2018, uh, we are still on hold until 2018 before we're allowed to do recreational. Well, and I noticed you emphasize that everyone there should be a member. And I'm curious if you could just sort of explain to folks what the big advantage of that would be. Just so you, you can understand, being a member, uh, uh, one, first, you have to be, uh, by law, you have to be a member of that collective. You can't just walk in off the street no ID, no recommendation, and going to a collective and uh, purchase medicine, it's not going to happen. Um, the uh, responsible owners and operators won't do that. And that's the difference between a responsible owner and operator and potentially a rogue shop. And so that's the reason why we're cleaning that up. Uh, but you have to sign up and become a member of that collective uh, via your recommendation. And so that's uh, that will allow you now to be able to say me, myself, the collective owner, to be able to dispense medicine to you at that point in a legal manner. And then... It sounds like there's more than just a dispensary that really needs a license the way you've been explaining it. Oh, definitely. See, we, we get caught up into looking, society looks at the, the, the collective model, the dispensary, because that's what's been in the news, that's what's on TV, that's what you read in the newspaper. But one of the most important things is we forget to address where does the medicine come from? How is the medicine even made? Well, there's a cultivator and there's a manufacturer. So the the patient would not have medicine if the cultivator didn't cultivate it and the owner of the shop didn't go to the cultivator for the medicine. So, you know, we kind of talk about it and forget about these components of the industry. And so, yes, there's licensing for cultivation, manufacturing, distribution, transportation, and uh, lab testing, also delivery service. Now, these will be taxed 2%, 2% cultivation, manufacturing, distribution. The collective model is taxed, was taxed 6%. We reduced it to 5%. This is what uh, Los Angeles uh, City, being very smart, is encouraging cultivation and manufacturing in the city of Los Angeles. This will bring business to the Mecca, because keep in mind, L.A. is the number one cannabis market in the world, production-wise and distribution-wise. That's a humbling thought, and I think a lot of folks didn't understand how 
fast and loose things were as far as licenses were concerned for the cultivators and the and the producers. Yes, uh, they've been operating for decades and decades without uh, actual physical license. So a lot of them stayed in the backdrop, uh, you know, and, you know, risked a lot going out, uh, you know, producing this cannabis for the collective model. So what we're, uh, as the city of Los Angeles, one is collecting taxes from each one of those facets uh, of the industry, one of those components of the industry, and making it legit by licensing it. So that's what Propium does for us. Absolutely. And so, Virgil, I think my libertarian friends are going to be emailing me saying, what's the matter with a rogue shop? How come you need all this licensing? Well, the the rogue shops, once again, like I said, operate one. They don't pay taxes. So now you created a, a market of unfair competition with us who pay taxes. Then you they stay open all hours of the night, which they become a nuisance to the community. Uh, hang out, um, you know, they're a nuisance. And there's so many different ways I can explain uh, that they are a nuisance. Uh, they don't abide by the rules, proper lighting, uh, open at 10, close at uh, 8 o'clock, um, you know, the zoning, not 600 feet away from schools, parks, churches, uh, things of, of this nature. So it becomes a problem for the community and the people who live in, in those communities with shops that operate like that. So it's very important to bring in licensing so that you can now, it's a, it, there's no gray area anymore because we've been traveling in this gray area for 20 years. So now it just makes it black and white. You're licensed, you're not licensed. Now law enforcement has a clear path to enforcement. Okay, you, they can now go shut those rogue shops down because they understand now that either you're licensed or you're not. And then it takes away that unfair competition for people like myself, who's been paying my taxes from day one and uh, that unfair competition. So it's just doing the right thing, the smart and the right thing. It sounds like a delightful arrangement. Hey, um, we're talking with Virgil Grant here on burning issues. As my cannabis radio brother, Vivian McPeak would say, We've got a pause for the cause because there are flaws in the laws. We'll be right back with more burning issues. More burning issues coming up after we blaze through these words from our sponsors. The smoke is rising and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the host of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. 
we know, New Frontier's cutting-edge big data platform puts the information and answers you need right at your fingertips in real time to help you more effectively run your cannabis business. Go to www.equio.io to sign up for your free membership today. Again, that's www.equio.io. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. Time to fan the fire on some more burning issues only on CannabisRadio.com. Hey, and we're back with Burning Issues. Dr. Mitch Earlywine here talking to Virgil Grant, the head of the Southern California Coalition for Cannabis and South LA's own first dispensary owner. Virgil, we're all excited about Prop M and all the help it would uh, bring to Los Angeles proper, but we're also kind of interested in your own personal story. Would you care to tell us a little bit about uh, opening the first South L.A. dispensary? Uh, yes, I, I opened up in 2004, uh, and I opened up in the city of Compton. That was my first uh, shop that I uh, opened up, and I then opened up my second one in the city of, uh, actually in Lamert Park, which is uh, in the city of uh, Los Angeles. Uh, and then my uh, third one in downtown, I owned a series of them, uh, six total. Uh, so it stretched from Compton to the Valley as far as collective owners. It was back in the early days during the Bush administration. So we were receiving a lot of harassment uh, from the federal government. We, I was raided or my colleagues were raided. Uh, we received DEA landlord threat letters. Uh, it was a very active uh, time for our industry and the government to, uh, I guess you would say, clash or come together. Uh, we had a lot of interaction, a lot of federal intervention. Uh, I myself uh, was raided, um, and this was shortly after 11 raids up in West Hollywood. And uh, and Hollywood, they raided 11 shops. Then I was raided, uh, all six of my shops in my home, and indicted uh, by the federal government. Spent six years in federal prison. Uh, for owning and operating legitimate medical marijuana facilities, uh, and then uh, was uh, released uh, after six years. And uh, now I'm back into the fight uh, to see uh, L.A. Uh, finish, uh, actually to finish what I started before I left, which was to bring in smart and sensible regulations with the help of the uh, industry and my colleagues uh, to see Prop M uh, go through, which was smart, sensible regulations, licensing, and then enforcement. I got to tell you, I was at University of Southern California for 14 years, and your shops actually were helping a lot of folks who were really the sickest of the sick. I think people don't understand what it was like back then and, and have the recreational stereotypes caught up in their own minds. And I just wanted to thank you, man. Anybody who's willing to do time, come right out and just go right back to the fight. That's some real guts, man. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, that, it takes that because, you know, we need to put this to rest and always say this for L.A. We've been uh, having medical marijuana here for 21 years, and people don't realize that. This was ground zero for medical marijuana, the first in the history of this country. So you, we, we have to remember that uh, L.A. was the start and the epicenter of everything cannabis, uh, medical marijuana. 
And so, uh, you know, it's time, and and L.A. City Council truly understands we were endorsed by the Los Angeles Times. Uh, Chief Charlie Beck uh, signed on uh, to Prop M, uh, NAACP, uh, the Black Caucus, because they understand the social equity part that we're putting into Proposition M for people, communities that were, were negatively impacted by the war on drugs. Now that this is going to be a billion-dollar industry, we cannot forget about those communities or lock them out because of uh, felonies and things like myself, what happened to me for operating in the cannabis space. So we, we have to do a social equity part uh, that will be implemented in Prop M as well. I really got to admit that is such a strange and kind of heartless irony to have someone who's literally gotten so much training end up going to jail even while following the law and then to come out and say, no, you can't be in this business that you actually know so well. Absolutely. Uh, And always, always say that it is ironic uh, that a lot of the things that have gone on in the cannabis industry, regulatory framework wise, I helped create. I was a part of why, because I knew it from start to finish. I did it. Uh, I didn't read about it. No one explained it to me or told me about it. I actually lived it and did it for myself. So it was easy for me to give an understanding to the local municipalities how this thing works, how a collective owner operates, which is important because you can't regulate something you know nothing about. And so this is the reason why I jumped back in the driver's seat is because I was seeing uh, when I came home, a lot of people uh, in in the regulatory position uh, and wanting to regulate this industry who knew nothing about medical cannabis. And for me, that's a problem because then that means you're going to regulate me in the worst way because you don't understand this industry. And that's why we have the mess that we have now. So to have someone who has been here since the very beginning, who's cultivated, manufactured, who's distributed, who's transported. I did that personally. It wasn't something that, like I say, I read about. It was something that I actually did. So I can I can easily explain it to someone now who's going to regulate us, how it works so they can know how to regulate us the right way. Man, from your mouth to God's ear there. So I know you've got a lot of dispensary time and experience now. I'm curious if you have a sense for sort of what are the products that mean something to you or you think are presented well? What are the outstanding products that you can think of? Uh, Well, you have the Clear, which is a concentrate company. Uh, You have uh, also uh, Quality Concentrates. That's another uh, concentrate company that makes very good concentrates. And there are partners within the SCC. So we only deal with high quality uh, companies that are uh, that are uh, regulated because at this point in time, we have been self-regulating. So these are the companies, uh, THC design, uh, punch edibles, um, caviar gold. These are some of the companies that are partners of the SCC, uh, that we, uh, that have been helping in this process as far as giving white papers to, uh, the entities, the, uh, even on a state level, we're not just lobbying in L.A., but we're up in Sacramento as well, making sure that uh, the uh, Medical Cannabis uh, Bureau of Regulations and Safety 
committee understands uh, what they're regulating on a state level as well. So we, we're not just weighing in on L.A., but we're weighing in for California. The industry has to speak up at this time and say, this is who we are, this is how we operate, and this is why it should be done this way. And people who care about it being done the right way. It's an amazing amount of effort, and I think people can can sometimes miss out on how much time this really takes. Where do you sort of see things heading this year and in, and in the next year as uh, as recreational opens up? Uh, one, I see uh, Los Angeles, California, actually being the model from this point on. Once Prop M uh, passes, that will be something that each state, each municipality in California and outside of California can take that regulatory framework and use it for uh, the rest of the country. Very smart, sensible, and progressive in the world of what Proposition M is, 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 uh, consists of. So uh, we're, once we leave L.A. Uh, City and, and put L.A. City to rest with licensing, uh, then we're going to L.A. County. And after that, whoever reaches out. Now, we've been uh, asked by other states to uh, come help with their regulatory framework, uh, but we have to take care of our backyard first. Oh, man, I, I know what you mean. That's a really intense situation. Hey, I, I wish we had 100 hours to get into some of the wild stories. I'm sure you must have. This has been uh, <laughs> Dr. Mitch Earlywine for Burning Issues with Virgil Grant, head of the Southern California Coalition, explained to us all why we need to get out there in March and make sure we get Prop M passed. Thanks so much for joining us. Stay tuned for our next segment of Self-Compassion in the Art of Activism. More Burning Issues coming up after we blaze through these words from our sponsors. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put different celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Himping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint the business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. 
Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. to fan the fire on some more burning issues only on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back with Burning Issues. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Thanks so much for tuning in. We just had a special word from Virgil Grant, who wanted to emphasize that he wants to get everybody out to vote yes for Prop M, as in marijuana, but no for Prop N, like in no. And we just wanted to make sure we got that message across after that delightful interview with him. We're back for another segment of self-compassion in the art of activism. I just wanted to tune into some uh, neat ideas we've talked about before related to acceptance and commitment therapy. What it's really uh, boiling down to are some ideas about suffering that we've covered in previous weeks, but I just kind of wanted to summarize so that we can sort of work towards more vitality in life, even if it's not necessarily uh, all anxious, free, or completely painless. What are some of the correlates of suffering? What are the things that often make us say, wow, I'm not sure I can take it anymore? We notice a few things seem to go with this. There are mindless moments, we're fused with our thoughts, and we're avoidant. So let me just walk through what each of those might mean. Ideally, we're going to have mindful moments. We're going to be paying attention to the things that really matter. going to be present in each second in order to make sure we're really aware of what's going on and that if there are sources of joy available, we're really connected to them. In addition, I mentioned that suffering is often covering with the idea of being fused with your thoughts. If you can imagine two metals that are put together and kind of welded, that's what I mean sometimes with uh, being fused. You know how you can have a talk and on some level you know it's irrational, but on another level you feel like it's got to be true. You can't seem to get the distance on it. So I have a client right now who says, I wake up and I just think I'm never going to get out of this hole. And that's really just a thought. And if you fuse with that and end up believing it, of course you're going to have a hard time. But there are ways to defuse, ways to separate from those thoughts, including emphasizing the idea that your mind is saying it. So I wake up and my mind is saying, I'll never get out of that hole. Maybe you can then have a little space in between what you know is true and this thought that your mind just happened to throw out. Think about the idea of saying, oh, now I'm noticing that my mind is saying that I'll never get out of this hole, right? And we're getting still more distance on the thought, still more opportunity to recognize it for what it is, only a thought, not necessarily the truth. Finally, what these often lead to that uh, ends up covering with suffering is avoidant behavior. We all know those four things on our to-do list that we should have done that we just haven't gotten to. We all know those things that seem to be the path to something really good, but that might require some discomfort. I've got to ask that person out. I've got to apply for that job. I've got to go ahead and do the exercise, even if it's sweat-inducing and not necessarily all fun. But by facing these rather than avoiding them, I'm going to work my way through those negative emotions and get to the thing that I really value get to the thing that really matters to me. And what we end up with is not a life that's filled with numbness, not a life that's joy every second, 
but a life that's filled with vitality, a life that's filled with effective action where I get to work towards my values even if I'm not necessarily comfortable every moment. So what can we do to make this go? Well, if we're mindful, if we pay attention to the current moment, if we keep our values primed, if we know that things like integrity and honesty and health and affection and intimacy and sensitivity are important to us, we can be working towards them at all times. And finally, being willing. Rather than being avoidant, being willing to go ahead and face that there are going to be some negative emotions, there are going to be some difficult times, effective action will move us closer to our values, even if it's uncomfortable. When you lay your head down at night, it's going to feel a whole lot better. But hey, I could talk about this all day. What really matters is applying it in your own life. See if you can spend a little mindful time being willing to endure discomfort in order to have effective action moving towards your values. Do that experiment. Face the tough stuff. Go for the good stuff. And then tell me how it turned out. You can email me at 420research at gmail.com. That's 420research at gmail.com. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Thanks for tuning in to Burning Issues. Follow your heart and let the data be your guide. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.